On this day in 2014, the Pet Shop Boys, always on my mind, was voted the top cover version of all time in a BBC music vote. Made famous uh, by Brenda Lee and Elvis Presley in 1972. But put the song through the Pet Shop Boys quick wash and the song can be transformed. Not necessarily better, to be frank, but transformed nonetheless. But where would the world be without the Pet Pet Shop Boys? Probably a less happy place is where we'd be, right, Sally Winley? I mean, uh, I I think it's better. Bring on the Pet Shop Boys version. (laughs) Is it better, really, than the Elvis Presley version, the Brenda Lee version? Oh, Elvis Presley. You see? That's a fantastic. It's too fast. It's very fast. The tempo. Are you a tempo man, Michael? I do like, I like... Yeah, I like to I like to be seduced by a song, to yeah. be carried along with it. And you're like, not seduced by this? I'm less. Uh, yes, it feels a little urgent to me. And I'm, I Sally, I like a bit of urgency. That's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's um, that's valid. Uh, uh, um, um, yeah, Pet Shop Boys. I, I mean, who else sounds like them? Anyway, lovely, lovely stuff. That is always on my mind. The Pet Shop Boys version. 26 to 5. Let's read out some of your thoughts this afternoon uh, regarding um, Sally Wenley's thoughts. Uh, absolutely agree. Thank you for writing this. I want my news to be the facts, not the journalist's opinion. This editorial creep is becoming mainstream. I find it annoying. I would like it to stop. Uh, hooray, at last, I am heartily over so-called journalists offering their opinions, not reporting the news. Stick to their knitting, please. Just give me the news. I'm more than capable of forming my own opinion, says Marion. So agree with both your guests today on the I've Been Thinking. Brilliant. It's right on the money. Well said. Get the bloody politics out of health. Thank you for saying that. I'm sick of uh, politicians coming on, blagging everything that the government is attempting to do, a pile of rubbish. Few of them are of of their own making. So thank you for your feedback on that. And uh, I must say, quite a rare agreement uh, on the I've been thinking. A big um, thumbs up all round. And regarding footpaths, uh, yeah, a lot. But get this one. Hillary says... Wallace, I often go over to work in a town in rural New South Wales where the new housing developments have no footpaths in some streets. Many homes have young families, so parents with prams have to walk down the middle of the street. It's terrible. Although, How about that? Although there are, I, I've been in lots of parts of Australia where they don't have footpaths, and, and in America sometimes they don't have footpaths. So we might actually be a little bit sort of... Um, whoa, 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 hang on. What do they do? Well, they've got grass verges, or they've got yeah. The, the the driveways go up off the straight off the um, asphalt. Um, yeah, I don't know that there are always footpaths everywhere. Maybe in New Zealand we've got more. So than you're other saying places. it's like a shared space? Yeah, yeah, and it's often uneven, and it's often grass. And I'm talking about suburbs, obviously, yeah. not um, not cities, not not in in the middle of towns. No, I no, I think that happens no. more often than we think. Four thirty-seven. The panel. RNZ National. Many of us uh, could be seriously exposed to losing our homes to earthquakes or catastrophic weather because our property is underinsured. Property research firm CoreLogic says around two-thirds of people lack the understanding of what it would cost to rebuild their home, and even the most risk-averse could get caught out. Its latest survey shows the average homeowner only reviews their cover every two and a half years. Not often enough 
given the latest condition, the changing conditions. So let's bring in Simone Moore, Simone Moore's rather, from Core Logic. Kia ora, Simone. Hello, how are you? Very, very well. I, I chose this because it's often the thing I think most about, often at night when I can't sleep. If I lost my house, could I afford to rebuild it? Could I afford to replace it? And I'm going to be honest with myself, probably not. And I find that really scary. And then I just can't sleep, often for days. Are Mm. we leaving ourselves wide open here? Well, look, you're not alone. Um, Almost a third of respondents in our survey are not confident that their property is adequately insured. Um, now, that's very, very concerning when you think about, you know, recent weather events in Nelson, for example, with the flooding, yeah. um, you know, very unexpected. Um, and that could, you know, potentially put people out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, if you haven't reviewed your insurance. What are some of the stats? You mentioned that stat. What are some of the other statistics that you found uh, particularly of note or concern? Um, so more than a third, so 38% um, of respondents in our survey didn't know what their sum insured amount on their policy was. Um, so you know, they just simply don't know how much their house is insured for. Now, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, you know, there's uh, calculators, you can talk to your insurance company and find out that information. It's not that difficult to do. Um, and, you know, the concern is that, you know, almost, you know, because 38% of us, um, you know, who you know don't know that? Yeah, um, Sally Winley, what 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 what's your thoughts on this? And uh, do yeah, you so, have so this? if it's yep, if okay. it's not that difficult to do, I'm wondering why do not enough people do it? I'm I'm guilty of that as well, and I was yeah. quite intrigued that um, it, you say here. Well, someone does the average homeowner only reviews their insurance every two and a half years, which was too long. Gosh, I I didn't think that was a very long um, time span. Uh, why Why do people need to do it more often? Um, well, when you look at um, the recent you know, inflation, so that's talked about a lot at the moment, and if you look particularly at um, the cost of um, housing uh, inflation for houses, so our Cordell um, um, construction index, that's risen. So construction costs on the average house have risen 9.6% in the last year. Um, which is an, an incredible increase. That's a record increase. Um, and I think that you know, perhaps people don't realise that and understand that actually that means if you have to replace your home, yep. you know, it's going to cost a lot more than what it did. Even or you can't replace it. Or you can't replace it. My goodness me, imagine that. Shocking, Michael. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I do try and review this. We renovated our house a little while ago and so I you know, reviewed it a couple of times. The bit I find hard to Uh, understand Simone though is the question of replacement so we have Mm -hmm. a turn of the century Kari cottage um, with great you know very high ceilings and you know all the things that are attached to that now I don't think I would ever be able to insure my house to be able to be rebuilt in Kauri it's not going to happen I what I'm going to get is a replacement of a you know a three-bedroom house with a study and a you know yada 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 but uh, that's what I never quite been able to reconcile. Yes. I'm not really trying to insure it in order to produce a house that was built 123 mm. years ago, am I? 
Um, well, look, I think you've raised a really important point there, is that it's not you know, the cost to insure an average house or someone else's home, it's actually your home. Um, and that's why it's really important to talk to your insurance company. Um, you know, there is um, calculators like the Cordell Sum Insured Calculator, which actually does have the attributes of a home and can tell you for your house. But however, you can also call your insurer and go through and give those specifications, right? Because that's not... You've got your particular aspects of your house that is different to someone else's. Um, and then from there, it's calculating the value of that replacement. And that's why it's really important to specifically um, you know, think about your own home. Kirsten asks, someone, how many of our houses will need total replacement? Do we need full replacement, some insured, if a partial replacement is required? Um, so... I don't, I don't know how many per year um, are, are full placement, um, full replacement mm. houses, but um, certainly when you look at the increasing weather events, uh, earthquake risk and things that we have in New Zealand, yeah. um, you know, we are high for earthquake risk um, and we're seeing more increasingly uh, you know, flood events and things like that, um, then you know, it's up for you as an individual to understand you know, what is the risk and, and what is the risk that you're willing to take. Um, and I think that's the, the point here is that people, if you haven't looked at it, you don't understand that risk. So it's important to um, have a look at it and then understand the risk that you are taking. And often if you look at increasing your cover, it's actually quite, you know, for a couple of hundred thousand dollars, it's quite a you know, small incremental amount with your insurer um, for that cost. So right. it's worthwhile talking to your insurer, um, you know, to find that out and then make the decision for yourself. Yeah. Um, is it, uh, you know, it has kept me awake at night, actually, because we had an issue uh, last year where <laughs> the, the, the power, the, the power um, part of our house, the, not the power socket, but uh, what, what is it, Michael? The power box. The power box oh, yeah, the power started box. smoking. Oh. And I'm pretty sure. Ooh. I'm not an expert, but was I'm pretty sure that's not a good a thing. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. It was just it was just the power box started smoking. Right. And the electrician said, I need to come around straight away. In fact, it was urgent. And I, my life flashed before my eyes. Mm. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness me, if I lost this house... Um, that would be it. So, I mean, someone says here, um, stop scaremongering. You know, uh, don't talk about this. But uh, it can be any one of us, Simone. That's right. Yep, that's right. And, um, you know, certainly uh, with your power board smoking like that, <laughs> definitely not a good situation that you've been in. So um, hopefully now, um, for peace of mind, um, you've actually contacted your insurer and, and, and updated your insurer. I did. So you, you can sleep <laughs> at actually, night. Yeah. Good on you, Simone. Thanks for being with us. Simone Moores there from um, uh, CoreLogic. Have you had any close calls like that with your um, home, Sally? Yes, I had to rewire it. I've got a, an old um, Cody house too in, in Auckland. It's it's an old villa, I suppose. And um, I had to rewire it to get um, to comply with the policies in my in my house cover insurance. Yeah. Yes, worth so, doing. Eh? Mm. Worth doing. Yeah. Really, yeah, worth it is doing. definitely. Yeah. Sixteen to five. The panel are in Z National. Thanks for being with us. By the way, a lot of people are saying that actually, actually, no. We'll leave some more footpath talk tomorrow um, because I can't keep up talking footpaths all day. I find it very interesting though. <laughs> uh, picture this: you wake up in the morning and go to fill up your kettle to make a nice cup of tea. Do you fill the kettle straight away after turning on the tap, or do you 
wait a bit. Well, toxicology experts are warning you should flush your taps every morning to wash away any buildup of lead. And what a better time to spread awareness than during International Lead Poisoning Prevention Week. Who knew? With us, you are kidding. No. International what? Lead Prevention Poisoning Week. Excellent. And guess what? What? We've got just the person to be on for the for Lead Poisoning Prevention Week. We have ESR toxicologist Dr. Belinda Cridge. Dr. Cridge, kia ora. Kia ora. Welcome to the and, panel. Uh, you've, you've picked up on the catchy title. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a marketer's dream, that. <laughs> International Lead Poisoning Prevention Week. Here we go. Here we are. Absolutely. I didn't... the World Health Organisation for that one. <laughs> I didn't know this. I didn't know that here I was in a developed city, developed country, that I needed to wait a bit before I had my cup of water, which I do every morning. Tell us about this, Belinda. What do I need to do? Uh, well, you've already said it, actually. You just need to run a bit of water through the tap before you take a drink or fill the jug or anything like that. So what happens is the water sits in the plumbing fixtures, particularly overnight, and across New Zealand we have quite corrosive water. The water's not bad, it's just slightly corrosive, and so it reacts with those plumbing fixtures and contaminants like lead can actually come out into the water when it sits. So we just recommend flush a bit of water through, maybe a cup full, and that'll just get rid of those. If you're worried about water um, wasting or anything like that, put it on your plants, not your veggies. Okay. Yeah, okay. Not your veggies, your plants. Because I guess the, the, the backdrop to this is those three small communities just north of Dunedin, Wakawiti, Karatani, Hawkesbury, know very well were found to have high lead levels in their drinking water last year. And gosh, what a story that was when it broke. Yeah. It, it was, and really stressful for those communities yeah. to have that kind of come out, that this was in their water, they had been using the water to water their plants, their vegetable plants, they'd been making up baby bottles, they'd been doing all of this stuff with their water and then the council comes out and says actually this might have lead in it you might be poisoning your children and like as a mum I just kind of sit there and go oh I would so freak out uh, from that we actually found out it really was just the corrosive water that was the issue Yes, and the risk to that community was no bigger than any other community but we also found out that people don't know about this message flush your taps just get rid of a bit of water I get didn't. rid of those mm. yeah it's really common and I don't think anyone should feel bad about the fact they haven't heard about this I didn't know about it been doing toxicology for years <laughs> but, but oh. is, is this is this just for is this just for old lead pipes what about um, you know the more modern modern plastic plumbing materials mm. is this necessary for everyone I would say as a precaution everyone um, we do have new building standards hopefully coming in in 2025 that will mean that there will be effectively zero lead in our taps but actually even the taps that you can buy now have lead in them and they will leach lead with our water interesting uh, great advice yeah, great advice it's so interesting, yeah, Michael. 
Yeah, we've. Um, I was thinking about this when I read it and thought um, we've got uh, gas hot water. You know, the instant yeah. gas hot water that isn't instant at all, um, and it means that you have to. I, I've gotten into the habit of running the tap because you um, have to wait for it to heat up. It doesn't heat up as it would coming out of a hot water cylinder. But it is. Uh, I was th- uh, what I thought about this, and I extrapolated further out, and I thought there are so many little things like this. If only we knew. I mean, this is a really good. Um, uh, kind of uh, uh, technique to avoid um, a lead poisoning. But there's a range of little things that we could probably do with small modifications in our lives just to avoid some life of the toxic... Hacks, yeah, little life say. hacks that, that mm. could help with um, uh, toxo- toxicology or poisoning generally. Given your experience, um, is there are there things that you can think of that are outside of this lead um, uh, uh, suggestion, Belinda? Um, oh, always, I can go on about poisons for hours. Yeah. Uh, but specifically, I would say um, well, my number one top tip is read the instruction on chemicals. Oh, really? So, yeah, so many of us just kind of use like the garden chemicals or the detergents and things. And we actually have no idea kind of what the safety instructions are. And quite often we're using way more than we need to. So actually just wow. have a read. Know, know what you're using, really. My second top tip is don't mix chemicals unless it's um, actually kind of intended to be mixed. Uh, this is particularly, again, with cleaning chemicals. We get every so often people that mix like a bleach compound and another cleaning compound, and you can release really toxic fumes Goodness. doing that. So um, just stick to the instructions. I try and not use chemicals if I don't have to. I try and find really? different ways of doing it. Yeah, I just don't like chemicals on our planet. I think if we could all just reduce our chemical use a bit, that'd be wonderful. Sounds like we need to have a toxic feature every now and then, Belinda. This yeah. is actually quite extraordinary. We might actually call you back and uh, to- do that. Toxin of the week. <laughs> 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 Jesse has his critter. Jesse has his critter. We have. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We have poison of the week. Yeah, yeah. We we have poison of the week. Big response to this. Um, we run the tap before using drinking tap water and have done so for decades due to this very reason. Says Eric. Um, Alan says it's nothing new for me. Cambridge. When I was a kid in the sixties, when we came home from holiday, we were always told to run the water taps mm. for a mm-hmm. while before using water. Um, uh, someone says, do you need to flush every tap in your house or just the one, Dr. Cridge? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, uh, the main one to do is your kitchen tap, where you're going to get your drinking water from and where you're getting water for cooking from. Your bathroom taps, actually, they're fine, unless you use them to drink out of. You know, Some people might uh, fill up a cup to, to drink after brushing their teeth, but as long as that tap's been running previously, that'll be fine. The main one to do is your kitchen tap. Okay. Showers, things like that, not so much. And I think it's interesting that some of the readers, uh, sort of some of the listeners have come in saying, we've done this for years. Yeah. I remember my grandfather doing it. Mm. And we seem to have lost that collective That's memory. That's true. Along the line. But, then, but then the pipes were genuinely lead. <laughs> <laughs> That is so yeah, true. We used, I was brought up on a farm, and um, you might get the odd possum in the water tank, and there'd be a bit of sediment, and I imagine the pipes were very lead, and it was just something we automatically did. Yeah, it's just what I was brought up with, and I've kept 
that habit. So I'm quite pleased about that. And speaking of that, some people might be freaking out and going, oh, my goodness, I might have lead poisoning. What's your advice to them? <laughs> I, I would say no. We, we do do surveys across the country of um, what we call the lead burden. So that's kind of how much lead generally is in the blood of people in New Zealand. And we're no greater than the international average. Everybody's lead levels are tracking down. If you remember, some of us oldies, uh, we used to have lead and petrol. So oh, really right, and yes. Paint. So, yes, so yes. yeah, and, and paint's the other one to watch. If you're doing renovations, there's really good guidelines available. Talk to your resin shop or go into the Ministry of Health website. It's got really good guidelines about dealing with lead paint. So since we've started bringing in those things, our Great lead stuff. levels are coming down. But for me, I, I don't see any benefit lead so let's get rid of it if all it is is flushing a bit of water out of our tap Let's do it. Yeah, I, I won't go. I won't ask you about three waters this afternoon, Belinda. I'll uh, <laughs> defer that to another time. Um, I, 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 just really briefly picking up on one point before you go, though. As a toxicologist, you are so wary of the amount of toxins in our environment. Environment is that something that we need a bit of a wake up call on uh, in terms of society? Do you think? Um. I don't know. I mean, society is really broad. So mm, there are yeah. some people who who are very cautious. There are others that aren't so cautious. I think generally as a society, we are reducing our reliance on chemicals. But I think we just have to keep okay. that focus. No, lovely to have you on the program, uh, Belinda. Kia ora. Really, really great to talk to you. We'll get you back. Uh, is our toxicologist, Dr. Belinda Cridge there. Uh, that message uh, is, again, uh, experts are warning that you should flush your taps every morning to wash away any buildup of lead. And, yes, that does include uh, newer pipes. Now, finally, we put this to the panel. Protesters from Restore passenger rail once again blocking traffic this morning with State High 1 closed in both directions at Johnsonville and Wellington. Three people climbed into a motorway gantry just after 8 this morning with a banner reading Michael Wood, we need to talk. However, the select committee they were scheduled to speak to this morning decided it would be inappropriate to hear from them while they were actively breaking the law. Now, protester Rosemary Penwarden was on the panel a few days back. She said their message is simple. We have been calling for climate action for a long, long mm. time. We all understand that it's now or never because this window of actually being able to make a change is almost closed now. But people don't know what to do and they don't know how to be heard. And we've just proven in the past week and a bit that you have to disrupt to be heard. And the group has been told their select committee submission slot has been moved to November the 10th. I just wanted to put around the panel on this one. What do you, what do you make of them, uh, Margaret? Do you support them? Do you support their staff? Do you support what they are doing the way they are doing it? I, I just... Uh, I, we've got to be shaken out of our kind of... Um, you know, stumbling across the avalanche type of... No, 
that's not a good analogy. We're, you know, we're on a cliff edge and we're stumbling towards it and we've got to do something. We can't just sit there and think climate change is going to sort itself out or that something magical is going to happen or technology is going to fix it or something. They alienate people from the issue and they're extremely dangerous. Yeah. That's Michael Wood's words. They, and they may well be those things, but I'm not entirely sure that it isn't forgivable given how much has been talked about this for so long and so little, it appears, has happened. So I, it's kind of like actually maybe a bit of alienation Silly. and things might help. Oh, I, I'm still trying to work out what they're trying to achieve. I think they're highly delighted with all this attention they're getting. I totally support them not being part of the select committee hearing because you do? where they were, where they were, you know, they could have fallen down, they could have killed themselves, they could have killed someone else. You know, the, I respect the right to protest, but don't be stupid about it. I, yeah, and I'm st- I've looked around online and I'm just str- struggling to pinpoint what they're trying to achieve in the big picture. I just think they're being show ponies and don't actually know how to put two words together to get what needs to be done. Well, I, yeah, he, I think they would just alienate and ostracise the good people wow. protesting. Wow, Michael. Uh, but Sally, we can't just sit on our hands. This is at least getting it spoken about, surely. I think we can protest in more productive ways. What, what would Elvis than say? That's what I. Life's at danger. What would Elvis say? Indeed, he would say, "Always on my mind." We had the Pet Shop Boys. This one's for you, Michael. Wonderful, Thank you, you too. Cure to you both. And the Pet Sally... Boys, the Pet Shop Boys would have done it more <laughs> urgently, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Good on you. I'm Wallace Chapman. I'm back tomorrow, three forty-five. Checkpoint next, Sally Michael. Thank you very much.